All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the evening. So glad you could be here. Uh, I'm really pumped tonight to be sharing with you guys. Um, I love the topic of the series that we're working through, Character Under Construction, the idea of uh, building godly character as we pursue the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, Luke started us off with, with a great word on, on how to build a good foundation of character. And, uh, and we've worked our way through. And last week, uh, Andrew talked about how we select our friends and, and how the people that are around us uh, greatly influence the direction that we're going to head. And so uh, that's kind of where we're going to start tonight, is picking up where Andrew left off. And, uh, and then we're going to continue to move forward from there. So uh, how many of you guys are coffee drinkers in the house? A fairly good percentage. All right. And uh, how many of you are like coffee snobs? Like you like you only drink like specific coffees. There you go. You can look around and you can see the other people that you'll enjoy talking to. So and how many of you guys are tea drinkers? Tea drinkers? Sweet. That's me. I'm a big tea drinker. And uh, a couple a couple years ago, I was at home. It was uh, a cold winter's day and I was Pour, had just poured myself a cup of tea, and I was super excited. Just go sit down and relax, and uh, and I had bought myself a bunch of new mugs. I had mugs; they were about this size, not quite this big, but they were mason jar mugs, and I love big mugs. And so, I <laughs> I love big. Okay, yeah, I see. I see where I see where that could be an issue. All right. Anyways, mugs to drink out of. Thank you for that, Becca. Anyways, uh, I had bought. A couple, a couple more uh, mugs that were mason jar mugs. And, uh, and so I was using them. Um, they were relatively new to me. And uh, I poured myself this uh, hot cup of tea. And I turned to go to walk towards my living room. And as I turned to go walk towards my living room, the bottom of my mug shattered off. And so everything else right after that just kind of happened in slow motion. I like turn and I hear this I'm like, what? And I'm still holding a mug, so it doesn't make sense to me, the noise that I just heard. And I'm turning, and then all of a sudden my body is saying, you can't stand up anymore. And I'm like, why can't I stand up anymore? And I look down, and my socks have ceased to be socks. They're now boiling, boiling hot tea sponges. And, and I immediately collapse to the ground, and on the way down, I like huck my mug into the sink. And everything just kind of happens in slow motion, and I... I fall to the ground and I whip off my socks because my feet are on fire. And I'm laying there, there's a big puddle of hot water and my feet literally like instantly blister, just super painful. And I'm on the ground and I'm half crying, half laughing because I'm like, this is such a ridiculous situation. And I look around and I'm like, I gotta get upstairs to the bathtub so I can put my feet in cold water. But then at the same time, I'm like, I can't leave all this boiling hot water on the hardwood floor because it's going to warp my floor. So I dr drag myself over to the cupboards and pull out some tea towels and go back. And I can't stand up, mind you. So I'm literally like army crawling around the, the kitchen, grabbing stuff, throw these tea towels down. They absorb the water. And then I'm like, well, I got to get upstairs to put my feet in the tub because like, there's, no, there's no way I can stand up and like hop up onto the counter to put them in the sink. So I army crawl over to the stairs, and then I just drag myself up the stairs into the bathroom and flop over into the tub. Just this ridiculous situation. 
And uh, tying to what, uh, what Andrew talked about last week, um, I, would, I just want to take a look at Proverbs. In Proverbs 12, 26, it says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. And Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And in that second verse there, um, I want to point out that the word fools, it's referencing people who don't care about their relationship with God, people who are impious. And so I, I relate it in this way that life comes to us, and if we are friends with people who are, are not headed in the same direction as us, it can cause us a lot of difficulty. And for a long time, I had been using these old mugs that I had that were actually made for hot liquids, which I didn't know that there were different kinds of mugs not made and made for hot liquids. But anyways, the old mugs that I had been using worked fine for that situation. And I also used the same mugs for making like smoothies and putting them in cold drinks and everything. And all of the mugs worked fine for that. And so it's not that we don't relate with and that we don't interact with people outside of our faith group. But we have to realize that at a structural level, our lives are different than the lives of people outside of our faith group. And so where our views and where our direction lines up with other people, we can share life together. And we can do that in a healthy way. It's like using the mugs for cold drinks. They never cause a problem. But when I used it in a way that didn't line up with the purpose of the mug, all of a sudden, there was a bunch of pain that came as a result of that. And that's what the Bible is getting at here, is that we need to be cautious with how we select our friend group and how we select those who are closest to us and, and speak into our lives, because if they're not moving in the same direction as us, we could end up coming to a lot of harm. So let's say that you guys buy that, you agree with me. Oh, I may not have, there we go. All right, let's say that you agree with me that, uh, that who we're around matters, right? But the topic of character altogether, does it, does it really matter that we pursue godly character? Is it, is it that important? The world around us is not motivated by godly character, and so why should we desire godly character? And that's where I want to camp for the rest of the night. So we've talked about the idea of how to lay a good foundation with Luke a few weeks back. And before we can talk about the idea of why God calls us to become people of character, I think we need to clarify what godly character is and is not. And so one of the things that I think we commonly misconstrue as godly character is the pursuit of good deeds. Right? And we can believe that what God is calling us to is just to be people who do good works. And it's, and it's true that, in a sense, God wants us to do good works, but more importantly, God is wanting us to become the kind of people who desire to do good works. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, which I highly recommend, by the way, says this, we might think that God wanted obedience to a set of rules, whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. It's not that God just wants us to be obedient to the things that he's calling to, 
for the sake of being obedient to the things he's calling us to. It's because he wants us to become a certain kind of people. This means that we don't just avoid telling lies, but we are working towards becoming people who actually value truth and who value honesty. We don't just pretend to care for others or go out and do service projects for people who are less fortunate than us, but we actually do it because we're motivated out of love to serve other people. I love so much that the world that God has built around us, uh, the physical world, is a representation of the spiritual world. And I think, I think God has done this on purpose, that he has made our physical reality similar to our spiritual reality so that we can learn about the spiritual reality from the physical. And in the physical, physical world, when you want to get stronger, you go and work out, right? You push yourself and you give yourself um, a challenge to work through. And then after that, you get stronger, right? You grow. But there's an intermediate step there that's vital to that growth. And that's the idea that we eat, right? If we exercise and we're not intaking the proper kind of nutrition, that exercise isn't going to be beneficial to us. In fact, that exercise can end up pushing you towards cannibalism of your own body. Your, your body can literally start to eat itself from the inside if you're not intaking the right kind of nutrition. And in the same way, with our spiritual walk, doing good works alone is not enough to develop good character. In fact, if you're doing good works and you're not investing in spiritual practices, that is, taking in spiritual food, it's likely that those good works are going to make you bitter to the world around you. You're going to end up cannibalizing your own spirit because you're not motivated by the pursuit of godly character. You're not motivated by a love for God and a love for other people. Instead, you're motivated by selfish ambition. You're motivated by wanting to look good. And when that happens, you end up, like I say, cannibalizing your spirit and becoming bitter. You can do good things, but if they're from wrong motivations, and if you aren't having your heart changed to become the kind of person who actually desires the good, it's going to lead to bitterness. But in the same way, if you're inviting God through these kinds of spiritual practices into your life to pour into you and to be your spiritual food, then those good works now become a catalyst for character change. And you need all components, right? Character change needs the action of good works, but it's God at work within you through the spiritual practices that enables heart change. He's the one that actually accomplishes the growth within you. In the same way that when you work out, you know, you, you give the conditions for your body to move forward, right? You, you push the weight and you intake the food, but you aren't part of really the process of your body getting stronger. It does that on its own, right? And it's the same way with the spiritual side of things that we do the good works and we submit our hearts to God, asking for him to lead in that process and for him to transform our hearts. And it's him by the Holy Spirit that does that transforming work. So now that we've addressed the topic of what spiritual growth is and what it is not, 
we can take a look at the why. And I have five reasons tonight, and this is not an exhaustive list of the reasons why God calls us to spiritual growth and to developing godly character. But this is a list of reasons that I think are part of it anyways, of why God desires us to move forward in this way. So in Galatians 5.1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now this doesn't sound terribly deep and profound. It is for freedom that you have been set free. But this is actually a really powerful idea. Often, we think of the idea of freedom as the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want. But real freedom is found in doing what's best for us and best for others. And God has laid out what that best for us and best for others is. You can think about it in this way. When you follow the driving rules of Canada, you are free to use the road system. You're free to travel wherever you want, right? When you decide, I feel like going faster than the posted speed limit, you risk paying a ticket, right? And let's say that you take a step further and you decide, not only do I feel like going faster, but I don't feel like using my lane anymore. If you depart from your lane, you might end up in an accident. And then you are really going to limit your freedom because now you're not even going to be able to drive and you might not even live. Right? And it's the same way with our faith and spiritual practices, too, that when, when we step outside of God's directive for our lives, we limit our freedom. We, we end up on a path that can end up robbing us of our freedom. And so it's not that God wants us to just be narrow rule followers. It's that he's calling us to maximal freedom. Right? When, when you're in a relationship with somebody, friendship, dating, whatever, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you have a good open dialogue between you, you have a good friendship, and then something comes up that isn't ideal between you guys, a negative interaction, and you make the choice to lie about what happened and misrepresent yourself to that person, you introduce a barrier to freedom in that relationship. And the longer that you take to deal with that, the bigger that rift will become and the more you inhibit your ability to enjoy a godly, healthy relationship. And it's the same with every other area of our lives. The more that we step outside of what God has called us to, the more that we limit our freedom. In Galatians 6, 7-9, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the second point is this. You reap what you sow. And lots of times this statement has been portrayed in a, in a negative light, the idea that if you do negative things, you're going to reap negative repercussions. And that's true, but it's also true in the positive that if you plant and seed good things, that you're going to reap good things. And so 
For those of you who aren't from a farming background, all that reap and sow means is seeding and harvesting. So when you seed good things, you can harvest good things. And when you seed negative things, you'll harvest negative things. One of the big things that I think that we can fail to remember in making decisions in our day-to-day -day walk is that we have to live with the future consequences of the decisions that we make today, right? And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I often get a reminder of this in January when my January self says about my December self, I don't really appreciate how much Christmas bacon you ate. Right, and I wake up in the morning and I hang my feet over the bed and I pop over and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that, uh, that inner tube, I did not realize I ordered that. And, and the reality is, is that the choices that I made in December when I'm like, treat yourself, they, they, they came back in, in January and they become something that I have to now deal with, right? And we need to learn to be compassionate and caring about our future selves, right? We don't, we don't want to put ourselves into a situation down the road that we're going to have to deal with the negative repercussions of. And this is very, very true when it comes to our character. When we're not investing in developing godly character, we reap the negative consequences of that in every area of our lives in the days to come. I kind of want to read this verbatim off the paper here because I think that this is a really important concept. That when we act with poor character, we make easy decisions that yield a small amount of short-term pleasure or relief, but they leave us poor in the long term. But when we work towards good character, we make the right decisions that may be challenging in the short term, but they create health and vitality in the future. The reality is, is that cultivating good character and doing what's right is rarely the easy path forward, right? It's far easier when, when you're confronted with a situation where you were dishonest, it's far easier to lie again, right? It's far easier to move further into sin than it is to come clean, right? It's far easier to eat the food than it is to do the exercise to stay in good shape. And this, this is true of every area of our lives, but the, re, but the result is that if we aren't diligent about pursuing godly character, we reap the repercussions of that later on in significant ways. And so we need to learn that investment now that will benefit our future is greatly worth it. Third thing, character is cumulative. Every time that you make a decision about godly character or about pursuing uh, ungodly character, it's additive, right? And, and an idea that helps me think about this is the idea of keeping your house clean, right? And I think all of us have been in that place where our, play, our home or our room, if you, if you live in a place with other people, has become a mess. And it doesn't get there in one moment, right? It's, it's one piece of clothes taken off and thrown on the floor today, and one piece of garbage that missed the garbage can and didn't get picked up tomorrow, right? And, and it's additive. 
and eventually you're surrounded by this mess and, and not only does the mess make it that you can't navigate your room in the ideal way, but it also robs you of your peace, right? When, when you're living in a situation where everything is a sty, it makes it that it's very hard to enjoy and just be relaxed in that place, right? And the same is true of our, of our lives spiritually. The more that ungodly character accumulates, the more that we make decisions that don't move towards health, the more that those things pile up and they rob us of our peace. And the contrary is too true as well. When we make decisions to start putting things in the right place, to start moving towards health in our relationships, in our finances, with our friends and our family, those things are additive. Every step that you take forward is a step further away from the place that you were, right? You climb a mountain one step at a time. And, and the reality is, is that one step is possible for everyone, right? When you look at a mountain, it looks insurmountable, right? It, it looks like there's no way that you could do it if you haven't conquered something like that before. But the reality is every one of you is capable of taking a step forward, right? And then taking another step forward. And those things are additive. And the more that we pour into that process, the greater our health becomes and the greater a motivator it becomes for further success. Every time that you invest into your character, you become more capable of then doing more investment into your character. The fourth part that I want to talk about of why God wants us to pursue good character is the idea that storms will come. Life is hard. There's just no two ways about it. And there are going to be difficult seasons in your life. And if you've cultivated good character and you've worked towards being godly to the best of your ability, you're going to be able to weather those storms successfully because God is going to put the things into you that make you capable of weathering those storms. But if you don't, and Luke talked about this in his, in his opening message with the series, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but the idea of the wise and the foolish builders, that when you lay your foundation properly on the character of Christ, you can withstand difficulty. And when you don't, you risk destruction in your life. The more in shape that you are in terms of your character, the greater the challenges that you'll be able to overcome and the more resilient you will be to the storms of life. And then the last thing that I want to touch on is that the reason why God wants us to pursue this is that it's attainable and it's worth the investment. I want you to think for a second about all of the other things that we chase in life, okay? Finances, beauty, friends, uh, possessions, all of those things, we can aim at them and we might not get them. This is the one area of life where God guarantees us that if we pursue godly character, if we ask him to be part of that process, if we will invest the time and energy into doing good works to glorify him, we will reap godly character. And it's the only area of life that's like that. You can pursue wealth and never get it. You can pursue beauty and never get it. You can pursue fame and never get it. But godly character, when you 
aim at it, and when you ask for God's help to pursue it, it is the one thing that's guaranteed in this life that you can actually get it. And the brilliant thing is that every person is capable of it, and every person can become great. Right? When you look back at the history of this world, and you look at the people who made a significant impact, or you look in your life at the people who have most impacted uh, the lives of people around you, it's people who have pursued godliness, right? Martin Luther King was not an exceptional musician. He was not this wonderful athlete, but he aimed his life at godly character, and it gave him a platform because he genuinely loved other people, and he wanted to destroy the hatred that he saw around him. And because he had invested time and energy into pursuing God with his character, he had the resources and the tools that allowed him to be able to make a difference in the world around him. I had a friend a number of years ago who, um, she was so, so intent that the thing that was going to make her happy and the thing that was going to solve the problems in her life was ending up in a marriage. And she was so anxious about it. She was so, so nervous that she wasn't going to find somebody to get married to. And honestly, most of her time and energy, like every time that we'd talk, you know, when she talked with other people, she would lament over how she hadn't found anybody yet. She would lament over uh, the time and energy that she had put into trying to, you know, do these nice things for this guy and he just wouldn't respond. All of her time and energy was poured into this. And eventually the thing is, is that she got what she wanted. She, she got a relationship and she got married. And so she should have been satisfied, right? But the reality is, is that all of those things that existed in her before her marriage, right? All of that fear and anxiety and restlessness hadn't gone away. And so now she just had her own mess with somebody else. And whether it's a relationship, or whether it's money, or whether it's fame, or whatever it is that you're aiming at, if you're aiming at that and not aiming at godly character, you're not going to find fulfillment. And when you get to that place, you might reach the thing that you were aiming at. You're going to be greatly dissatisfied because it can't sustain you. When we pursue godly character, it sets us up for success in every area of life. Right? I mean, think, think about it for yourself. Who are the people who you would like to be friends with? Right? Do you, do you really care if the people that you're friends with are really good looking, or, or do you care that they're loyal and trustworthy? Right? Do you care if they're super athletic, if they're cruel and unkind to you? When we pursue godly character, it affects every aspect of our lives. And it makes our lives better, and it makes the lives of everyone around us better. The reason that everybody, well, I guess not everybody, the Pharisees didn't. But the reason that people fell in love with Jesus is not because he was an all-star basketball player or because he was fabulously good-looking. The Bible actually describes that he was, that he was somebody who was very plain, that you, you wouldn't have thought that he was this really handsome man. The reason that people fell in love with Jesus is because he was 
the embodiment of godly character. He genuinely loved the people around him. He genuinely wanted their best. He was honest. He was loyal. He was humble. And the cool thing is, is that that's reachable for all of us. Every single one of us can pursue godly character, and every single one of us, with God's help, can reach it. When uh, Pastor Luke started this series off, he encouraged us uh, at the end of his message. One of, one of his points was, do something. And we've focused on the idea of why we should pursue godly character tonight and, and the things that God has for us within the pursuit of godly character. But I want to leave you with this idea that don't let this be something that just sits with you at an intellectual level right? Take an action. Pick, pick an area of your life where you know that you're not knocking it out of the park in your character and bring it before God and say, God, I want to grow here. Will you please help me with this process? And then look for opportunities to serve in an area that's going to challenge that. And every time that you do, bring it before God and say, God, give me the heart to serve here in a way that honors you. And if we all do that, we're going to see Jesus move in our community in a powerful way. We're told that one of the ways that, that people knew who God's disciples were was their love for one another. And I think it would be powerful if we all, on a personal level, committed to character growth because it's going to transform our community into one that loves one another better. And we're going to represent God to the outside world in, an, in a fantastic way. All right, would you pray with me? God, thank you that you've created us to pursue godly character. And thank you for the example that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. God, thank you that it's not about making ourselves look good. It's not about self-actualization. It's about relationship with you, and it's about honoring you, God. We pray that you would help us to see opportunities in our lives where we can take good action. We pray that you would help us to nourish ourselves spiritually by, by spending time with you, God, by reading your word, by being in community with other believers. And God, we pray that our hearts would be transformed, that we would aim towards godly character, and that by your Holy Spirit, you would create that change in our hearts where we become people not just who do good things, God, but people who desire to love you and love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.